Welcome to the Become Here Project, a Des Moines Public Schools podcast. The podcast that shines a light on the incredible stories, initiatives, and achievements happening within Des Moines Public Schools. I'm your host, Amanda Lewis, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this educational journey. The Become Here Project is your backstage pass to Des Moines Public Schools. We'll bring you in-depth interviews with teachers, administrators, students, and community members who are making a significant impact on the lives of young learners. Through engaging conversations and thought-provoking discussions, we'll dive into topics like educational equity, fostering inclusivity, and preparing students for a rapidly changing world. We'll also explore the unique challenges and triumphs of our diverse student body, showcasing the creativity and determination that make our schools truly special. Whether you're a parent, a community member, an educator, or simply passionate about education, this podcast is your platform to stay informed and inspired. Tune in to the Become Here Project, a Des Moines Public Schools podcast, and become part of the journey, one episode at a time. Hello and welcome to Episode 4 of the Become Here Project, a Des Moines Public Schools podcast. My guests today are Lynn Wilson, the district's homeless liaison, and Lisa Beving, an elementary school success case manager. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I'd like for both of you to tell us a little bit more about what you do for the students of Des Moines Public Schools, but before we do... I want to share with everyone a very distressing number, the number of students experiencing homelessness who attend Des Moines Public Schools. It's more than 700. That's bigger than the enrollment of about 200 of Iowa's school districts. I'm always met with surprise when I share this number outside of the district. Lynn, why do you think that is? Um, our numbers are so high. As a bigger city, we have lots of families that come to us because there are resources in Des Moines. Um, you have medical services. You have some housing programs that are much more robust than in our rural areas. Um, it's not unheard of that families become homeless in a rural area and they say, well, go to Des Moines so that you can get those supports and different services that you need to support your family. So it just really is a... a a place where people can come to get the things that they need, which makes our numbers very high. Okay. The week of November 13th through the 17th is our DMPS Homeless Awareness Week. So the Become Here Project wants to do a deeper dive into what homelessness means for DMPS kids. Lynn, can you give us an overview of homelessness in the district? And then Lisa, if you'd be willing to personalize this, what does this look like in the classroom and at school? Sure. Right now, as of this morning, we have 735 homeless students. And homelessness means a lot of different things for different people. That can be considered kids that are doubled up and living with somebody because they've been evicted or they don't have enough money for their own independent housing. It can be families in shelters, in hotels or motels. It can also be families that are living in their car or unsheltered and have nowhere to stay. Um, this also could be some of our migrant families that students are coming to Des Moines or Iowa because of the, um, the, the jobs and the work, you know, that is available to those families. So those kids can also be considered homeless at this time, too. So with all of those different kind of catch-alls, it's our job to be able to kind of drill that down and look at really what are the needs of the families and how can we support them through our homeless program. Um, we have to do this through our McKinney-Vento grant, which is a federal act that um, supports students that 
are homeless and need those supports. It gives the kids the opportunity to stay in their school of origin or to stay in that neighborhood school where they've traditionally gone to make sure that they have some consistency and support from families or excuse me, from teachers that are um, consistent in their life and they know the families. So that's just, you know, one of those things. They also are eligible for transportation if they qualify and they also get free lunch and then other supports that might um, be an option are if a kid wants to play basketball and they don't have finances to be able to purchase shoes, we can help them through McKinney-Vento to be able to support some of that kind of programming. So it's just really a, a broad catch-all, I think is kind of what I would say, and then being able to determine um, kind of what that is for the families. Um, we have a really robust system, I think at this point, over the last three years, this is our, my third year in the role, and we've been able to really fine tune a system that identifies families gets them kind of that assessment to see what the needs are, and then the buildings kind of jump into action, and we work as a team to be able to meet those needs and support families to make sure they have what they need. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah, I think it's really important that we have identified homeless liaisons in the building so that way um, the office staff, teachers, everyone knows who to go to and we're trained and experienced with resources in the community and able to have some of those conversations that could be you know, quite delicate or uncomfortable for families. So that way they know they have somebody who's caring and gonna treat them in a respectful manner to help them get the resources they need. I imagine those conversations are confidential and held where other families or students aren't going to be aware of what's happening. Confidentiality is very important. Um, it's pretty much on an as-need-to-know basis. So if we're setting up a bus, we let the person who's in charge of transportation in the building know I have set up this bus and if I'm setting it up she knows that's why. Um, we'll have the office manager change their address and they'll know then it's okay that the student lives outside of our area possibly um, and that they'll remain there. Okay. In reaching out on um, families don't have to worry about other students knowing that their student is homeless. No, no, we would never tell them that, no. Okay. What does it look like in the classroom? I mean, we've talked on a high level what it's like for families and what uh, students are experiencing, but um, how does that impact their ability to focus and concentrate in the classroom and to get the education that they're entitled to? Yeah, um, a lot of kids in Des Moines, um, we're mobile, I would say, at times. Kids move during the year. It's not uncommon. So things like that don't necessarily stand out with us. Um, we work together to make sure that they have food at the home. We have the food pantries located in our school, the clothing vouchers, things of that nature. We get them the school supplies if they come without it. And we just do the best to give them a safe environment. And we want their school day to be their consistent part that they can count on. And we don't want to act like anything big is going on in life and kind of let the grown-ups deal with that part. Yeah. I can imagine that that kind of instability would have an impact on your ability to um, read and learn math and all those things when you've got all those things in the background going on in your mind. Um, do we have um, educational supports as well for students who are uh, maybe falling behind because of all those things that are happening, not in the school mm -hmm. classroom, but outside? Um, I think with the McKinney-Vento um, Act, us being able to keep the children in their school instead of moving schools each time they might move during that year, that really helps them to keep on top of the grades as their classmates would. 
Yeah. I also think it's important to be able to say and kind of describe that if a student is struggling and we know that if a kid is missing their bus or their their van on a daily basis and not coming to school and that's their school of origin, but they live right across the street from their neighborhood school, sometimes it's in the child's best interest and a really hard decision for us to help the family make. Is it better to be able to walk across the street to school instead of staying at that school of origin? So the intricacies that really start to happen with some of these cases are so fine. And it's it's really hard to start to kind of get to the bottom of what's going to help, what's going to you know cause more harm than good. Is that kid's attachment to the school of origin really that strong or is it something that's going to be better just to be able to walk across the street if a parent can't get them on a bus uh, because we know that attendance is important. And if we can eliminate some of those barriers, it helps students attend. It sounds like it's um, highly individualized. Absolutely. So each case is unique. Yes. Yes. I don't think I've seen a single case that's the same. And I think Lisa and I have worked on probably a good hundred plus over the last three years together. And no one has been the same. The needs have always been different. Um, parent response is always different. And we've got to try and meet these families where they're at because they're in a really highly, you know, very crisis situation. And the trauma that some of these families carry with them because of all of the moves and the things that have happened to them along the way uh, makes it really hard and hard to trust and hard to depend on people that you don't know. And that's where people in Lisa's role come into play and um, have to develop those relationships and those supports. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Time. What can we do from home to help you? People who are listening right now and think, my heart goes out to those children. I'd like to be able to help. How can I help? I think some of the big things that we can do right now, transportation is one of those really hard things. We know that we have a national bus driver shortage, so it's difficult. Sometimes if families have cars, we can help them through gift cards for gas to be able to get their student to school or to get themselves to work um, so that they can try and um, make ends meet to be able to pay some of those bills. Um, so donating those gift cards uh, for those purposes, I think, are really important. Always donating to our local food pantries are a huge resource. And we partner with the Food Bank of Iowa and have a pantry in almost all of our Des Moines public schools right now. So that's one thing that we don't have to worry about. Um, food is not an issue as long as the families are willing to take it. Donations of hygiene supplies to your school, local school food pantry would be amazing. Those are things that people often go without. Shampoo, toothpaste, um, feminine hygiene products, diapers, those things. Yeah, absolutely. So the gift cards and those items, those can all be brought to the school and uh, maybe directed to the the liaison at the school. Yes, yes, I think the Building Homeless Liaison can absolutely get that into the right hands of a family in their specific school if you wanted to be specific. Otherwise, they can always come through me and then I can get them to the highest need schools. Um, since our numbers are very different across the district, kind of depending on the area, then we can target kind of that highest need spot uh, to be able to get those resources. And how do how would someone at home get those resources to you? They could be dropped off at the Kurtz Opportunity Center on the south side. I believe that is 1000 Porter Avenue. So always feel free to drop things off there. Um, last year, we had lots of people that um, 
sent gift cards either through Amazon or through their local uh, store vendors. And we had lots of things show up uh, for months. So that was fantastic. Um, another thing that we really could benefit from is somebody to provide some mechanics service uh, for families car repairs we know are very expensive and sometimes it's just something very small that somebody might be able to just automatically pick up on and be able to fix very easily at a very low cost. So if somebody was willing to do some of those things for families, I think that would be a huge benefit and support. Okay. These are things we can keep in mind as we go. For Homelessness Awareness Week, um, you provide some materials to teachers Talk to me a little bit about those. What what are we um, what are we communicating to teachers okay. during this week? We are rolling into our third year, so our third annual Homeless Awareness Week across Des Moines Public Schools. And what we typically have done previously is provide um, information to our building homeless liaisons for them to be able to provide uh, information to teachers in the schools. So really having an understanding of what the building homeless liaison does is one of those things that we want our folks to get in front of people to be able to share. Our teachers are the first line of defense when it comes to homelessness. They talk to the parents. They're going to see different trends um, with families. So if a kid is coming and they're very um, hungry and maybe not clean or very tired, you start to see patterns and can pick up on that. So we have systems in place for teachers and other school staff to be able to identify students to help get them on our radar. So then the building homeless liaison can do an assessment and reach out to the families and support. So it's going to be really building some skills of those teachers in our buildings to be able to make sure that they have the information they need to be able to make those identifications. Um, we traditionally try and do some training. So there's going to be different things happening with Thanksgiving, you know, coming up in November that will direct different staff to do, you know, volunteer opportunities if they'd like, or to go some to some informational sessions that are provided by other agencies across Des Moines. Lots of different partners do um, different awareness things, obviously, in, in November with Thanksgiving coming. So it's an easy direction for that. Um, and then we always want our families or our teachers to get involved with our families and really look at building those skills for the classroom, like providing consistency, checking in with those kids, providing a safe, nurturing environment. Not that teachers aren't great and don't do that. There's just some kids, I think, that you need to go that extra mile to be able to recognize that they're homeless. Um, Hopefully we'll be able to get in front of some bus drivers. They're also first line of defense in recognizing um, when a kid might be living in a place that's not appropriate uh, to be living in so that we can get those kids on the radar. I'm always impressed with our staff here at Des Moines Public Schools because in addition to teaching those basic core skills, there are so many other things that come with having uh, Des Moines children in their classrooms, so, so many things for them to identify and connect with, and it, it uh, they're just superhuman. I'm, <laughs> I'm just they're so amazing. thankful. <laughs> they're so amazing. Is there anything that you would like to add? Well, I think just recognizing the work that our people in the buildings are doing, uh, people in Lisa's role are knocking it out of the park and supporting our families. And it's not as easy as people think that it is. The job is thankless and it's constant. And when our numbers are so high, it is so much work on top of all of the other things that are happening in our building. 
and recognizing that our teachers do this every day and they're supporting kids out of their own pockets and putting in the hours and the time to be able to support everybody in their building, um, making sure that we're thanking them for the work that they do um, is going to be so important moving forward because our jobs are not going to get any easier. Um, just to know how much we really do care at Des Moines, um, I know sometimes teachers or people who are not accustomed to dealing with the issue of homelessness want it to be fixed today. And if I could fix it today, I would. But it honestly is a lot of hurry up and wait. You identify that family as being homeless. You make the referrals. And a lot of time it is then just supporting that family while they wait for an opening to come about in a shelter or in a housing transition place. Um, so just give everybody a little bit of grace during their time of need and just keep supporting and loving without judgment. Right. I think also knowing that we have so many resources within the walls of our Des Moines public schools. We partner with primary health care for medical services, dental connection. We have the mobile um, dental clinic, as well as a clinic at the Kurtz Opportunity Center with the food pantries and almost all of our schools. We do so much internally for families. We can't lose sight that we have those things at our fingertips to be able to serve and to support all of our kids. So if, our, if someone listening today, if their children are about to be experiencing homelessness or are experiencing homelessness, or maybe they know someone who might be experiencing homelessness, what, what direction do they need to go? Who should they talk to? I think at this point, to direct them to the school and actually, you know, talk to somebody in the office and really try and figure out, is it a homeless situation or isn't it? And allow us to do a little bit of work privately to be able to really pursue that and, and figure out, can we support them in any way? We do have so many community resources and a family, if they are becoming homeless and somebody knows, they should always make their first stop, primary health care centralized intake. That is the gatekeeping system of all of our shelters in our community and would be the first stop for a family that's experiencing homelessness. How do they reach out to that organization? Um, they can call Primary Health Care Centralized Intake, or they can visit at 1200 University. And um, they do have facilities on site where they will support. I believe they have food pantry, clothing closet. They can shower on site if that's something that is needed. Um, we're also uh, being supported by a program um, Home Inc. And we're, it's called Hope for Stable Families. And what they do is if a family is facing eviction, they've partnered with our Des Moines Public Schools to be able to identify those homes that have students so that we can work really hard to keep them housed instead of having them have to enter a shelter system and lose their home permanently. So that is a great resource if we can catch it in time and be able to keep families housed. And we have a family right now with 10 children and parents with health issues, you know, so people are facing so much that we have no idea um, about, you know, so it's, it's a matter of getting them connected to the right place at the right time to make sure that they're supported and the kids are stable. Lynn Wilson, District Homeless Liaison, and Lisa Beving, Elementary School Success Case Manager, thanks to both of you for coming in. Um, just a reminder that uh, we can always use uh, gift cards or sanitary items. Those items can be uh, delivered to your local school or down to 1000 Porter Avenue to Lynn Wilson. Kara, Lynn Wilson, would that be right? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you both for being here and for deepening our understanding of students who are experiencing homelessness. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. 
This is the end of episode four of the Become Here Project, a Des Moines Public Schools podcast. <laughs>